The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. I want to welcome you to Life Today. Ravi Zacharias is here. We have got 70 major church leaders and Christian leaders in the country here. Are you glad to be here meeting together? <laughs> we're, meeting, we're meeting together because we love you. And because you matter to God, you matter to us. And we believe freedom matters. After all, it's for freedom. Christ set us free. So we're going to be hearing from these leaders. And I just wanted you to know that we're so glad to be able to share this time with you. You know, if you know the leaders that were gathered right here in this studio, I mean, yesterday and uh, into the evening, and you understand the great diversity in these various uh, denominational groups and the high influence and impact they have, and oftentimes they, they've been seen to be miles apart. And suddenly what Jesus prayed for, that his disciples, his family, would actually be one with the Father, but also with one another like a family, the unity prayed for. And it's this unity that's going to be essential to see America restored to stability and security that our hearts long for, to have the peace that we want, the protection that we want, the opportunity that we want. But we're facing some very critical decisions. And the only way we're going to make the right decisions and then see the people that are chosen by the people have the counsel essential to move us in the right direction that is beneficial to everyone. These leaders not only shared their heart and poured out their wisdom, but I believe, Betty, they shared the heart of God and the very wisdom of God for you to bless you and look, enable you who want to share the love of God with others to still have the ability and the wherewithal to do it. You can't assist people if you don't have the ability to assist. You can't put loving arms around people and support mission outreaches if you don't have the ability. And if we allow freedom and opportunity to be destroyed in our future, we're not going to be able to help anybody. We'll be simply fighting to survive. But there's so much more to offer, so much hope. Listen to God, I believe, speak to you through these great Christian leaders. Which of us knows what looms ahead in the next five years here? What lies ahead for us? I want to talk about four or five very important things that I think we need to be involved in, and that is this. As you look at the platforms before us politically, I ask one question, then two, then three, then four. What is the most valuable thing in the world? What is the most valuable thing in the world? Winston Churchill said it, the most valuable thing in the world is the truth. He said, in fact, it is so valuable that often it is hidden by a bodyguard of lies. Natan Sharansky, former Israeli justice minister, when he was uh, incarcerated in the, for his former Soviet Union, made this comment when he went to visit the prison where he'd been incarcerated and then asked if he could go and lay a wreath at the grave of Sakharov, the physicist who gave to the Soviets the atomic bomb. Here's what he said. The most powerful weapon in the world, said Sakharov, is not the bomb that I've given to you all. He said the most powerful weapon in the world is the truth. If the most valuable thing in the world is the truth, and the most powerful weapon in the world is the truth. How important is the truth on the platforms of this electoral process? 
If the truth does not survive, you may as well turn the lights out, lights out, because to somebody whose mind is bent towards deceit and a lie, the, the darkness becomes the light. Yes. Right. You may as well turn the lights out then. Mm. Truth is an imperative, so critical in our times. And we as the church need to rise up for two reasons that we demand of the electoral process that truth be spoken and truthfulness be that by which the politicians live, A. And then we ourselves as Christian leaders, as men and women, live by the truth. Because if we abide in his word, then we know the truth and then the truth indeed sets us free. And now as Christians, the time has come for us to ask of the political leadership truth because without truth we lose the most powerful weapon without truth we lose the most valuable thing and we live that by example in our own lives truthfulness truth number one number two i say this what is the fundamental law of logic there are three laws of logic and i just give you the first law on this hangs everything else it may seem terribly cerebral but believe me, it is immensely practical. The most fundamental law of logic is the law of identity. You must be able to identify what it is you're talking about or you cannot speak anything about that thing. The law of identity. Then you move on to the law of rational inference, the law of non-contradiction and so on. But the law of identity is key. Now here's what I want to say to you. If we as a nation cannot even identify those who are seeking to destroy us. Then we've not only violated the fundamental law of ethics, truth, we're now violating the fundamental law of reason. The law of identity is that which demands of us that we know what it is we're really talking about. It is critical we as Christians come together and pray that our political leadership will be able to identify what it is that is really seeking to threaten us, especially since ideologies abound both within and without that seem to want to pull down the infrastructure. Mm. The third thing what I want to talk about is a wall that we don't hear much about. We hear much about many walls these days. Is the wall of religious liberty going to be taken away, going to be put around the church? so that we will be hand hamstrung, that we will be handcuffed, that our freedoms will be taken away from us. If you and I don't stand up and speak with love and speak with concern, the day will come as Margaret Thatcher warned us that if the church does not rise up and speak, the political structure will collapse. Now, we've got truth. We've got the law of identity. We've got the religious freedom principle. Why is that critical? I'll tell you why it's critical. We talk about ourselves being as a people of laws, that this nation is a nation of laws. I hear that again and again and again. We are a nation of laws, all right? We're a nation of laws. And if you read Russell Kirk, The Roots of American Order and so on, he'll talk about us being a nation of laws. So we've got the root is the laws. The trunk is the political infrastructure. The branches is the outworking and culture, okay? You've got the roots, the laws, the trunk, the political structure, the branches, the outworking and culture. Here's my question. What is going to hold the roots? The roots don't hold themselves. You need a rich moral soil. 
That rich moral soil is needed to hold the roots. And for that rich moral soil, the voice of the Christian has to be heard because the greatest commandment given to mankind ever was not one, but it was two, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul and all your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. Moses had given 613 commandments. Jesus could have reduced it to one. He didn't, he reduced it to two. That there'd be the vertical dimension and then the horizontal dimension. All we hear in politics today is right and left. We've forgotten there's an up and a down. And if we forget there's an up and a down, we'll be choking each other from the right to the left or the left to the right. That's why Jesus never got messed up in that battle because his kingdom was from another world. His kingdom was vertical. As Solomon said, everything is pointless and, and uh, emptiness if it's, if it's under the sun. If you lock God out, it's all empty and all purposeless and you are chasing after the wind. You've got the ethical norms that are needed. You've got the logical reality that is needed. You've got the freedom to which God calls us and the moral reasoning to which we must be committed. Gertrude Himmelfarb from Columbia has written a book called Roads to Modernity. Here's this brilliant philosopher who takes one whole chapter of all things to say why America was different to Europe, why America was different to France, and she says, America was different because for the French philosophers, for their philosophers, reason was supreme. She says, for the American, moral reasoning was supreme. It's an incredible statement made by a very profound thinker. It's not reason with its feet firmly planted in midair, but it's moral reasoning, the distinction between right and wrong, good and evil, which is exactly what Alexander Solzhenitsyn warned us about, the moral reasoning that is needed. And so, ladies and gentlemen, I say to you, your life and my life must show that. If I don't honor my commitment to my family, if I don't honor my commitment to my colleagues, if I don't honor my commitment to what God himself has called me to, it'll all be once again like chasing after the wind. We need that moral strength, that deep-seated commitment of the soul so that men and women can look at us and recognize there's a man or a woman whose yea is yea and whose nay is nay because they are rooted in the bedrock of the unchangeable one, God himself. We must get that straight. And lastly, I, I've seen this globe a lot. I traveled over 200 days every year. It's been a torturous, torturous schedule. And I keep asking myself, when am I gonna slow down? I've got a beautiful wife, children, grandchildren. And I'll tell you what, there's not another cause in the world for which I'd be traveling like this, but for my Lord, because outside of his transforming power, there is no other hope for mankind. As Conrad Adenauer said to Billy Graham years ago, looking through the window into the broken city of Cologne, he looked at Billy and he said, Mr. Graham, do you believe Jesus really rose again from the dead? Billy Graham said, if I didn't believe that, Mr. Chancellor, I would never, I would have no message left to preach. He said, Adenauer paused, looked out of the window, came back and he said, Mr. Graham, outside of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I know of no other hope for mankind.
Billy Graham said, I've never forgotten that. Outside of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I know of no other hope for mankind, not the least of which is the reality that justice will finally hold sway. And so the question I ask is, what does the political landscape hold for us? And I console myself with this. It was not Pharaoh that made the difference. It was Joseph in Pharaoh's palace. It was not the Persian monarch that made the difference. It was Daniel who was able to talk to, 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 to the Persian monarch. It's amazing. You know, the fact of the matter is, it is those who come close, those who stand close to the leader. And my prayer is that that person will be elected who will have the voice of godly people around them. We need the Josephs, the Nehemiahs, the Daniels that they will appoint. They are the ones who have the ear of the king. And so no matter what happens, my prayer is that the Daniels, the Josephs, and uh, the Esthers will emerge and those voices can change history. A grandson can change the life of a grandfather and a voice of a cupbearer can change the heart of a monarch. So my prayer is God, raise up those kinds of people to be in the palace, to be in these precincts and be in those quarters. That should be our prayer. Because you see, if you don't have the voice of a righteous one, you get intoxicated with your own knowledge and your own understanding and drunk with your own power and you run roughshod over humanity like Rehoboam did. We can't have that. We need the voices. And so I bring, my, bring this to a close very, very much parenthetically. One end starting off with Syria and now this end from Jerusalem. Some time ago, I was talking to a Muslim cleric very powerful man who was quite hostile, quite angry. And I'd asked him a question and his answer was not very comforting to me. So I said to him, you know what? I don't like your answer. I said, but I want to tell you something. Where we are sitting, not far from here, is a hill. 5,000 years ago, a man by the name of Abraham took his son up that hill. I said, please, sir, let's not debate which son right now because that's not the point. I said, he took his son up the hill and was going to sacrifice him as an expression of faith in God before God. He said, I remember the story. I said, but as the ax is about to come down, God stops that arm. He said, that's right. I said, what did God say? He didn't have the answer. I, God, God said, stop. I myself will provide. He said, that's right. I said, very close to where you and I are sitting, Sheikh, is a hill. 2,000 years ago, God took his own son up that hill. And this time, the axe did not stop. He just stared at me. I said, shake until you and I receive the son God has provided. We'll be offering our own sons and daughters on the battlefields of this world for land and position and power and prestige. He just stared at me. And when we left, he turned me around before I got into the car, gave me a kiss on both sides of the face, and he said, Mr. Zacharias, you're a good man. You're a good man. He said, I hope I see you again someday. We're not going to win people by mocking them. We're not going to win people by deriding them. We've got to present the winsomeness and the beauty of the message that God would have us share
people are drawn to the beauty and the love of what they so long for. And ladies and gentlemen, that's your calling and mine. Unarmed truth and unconditional love on the one side, the cross on a hill called Calvary as the point from which we all begin. The days of Jesus were dark, but Saul of Tarsus to Paul changed history. Is it impossible for that to happen in our time? I think not. It could take one person to change the future. You're here to be counted among those people. I pray that a few years from now, we'll look back and say, God surprised us all. And we have a triumph and a glorious message to give. 10 years ago, nobody would have ever thought China would be the fastest growing church in the world. 10 years from now, we might want to look back and say, who would have ever thought America would once again be strong as a people of faith and spread the word of God richly and be taken because of the strength of character, courage, born out of the roots of the moral soil of loving God and loving our fellow man. That's my challenge for you. Thank you so much for giving me a hearing and God bless you. I know your heart has to be blessed. Mine is for sure. After what, listening to this yesterday, God is just doing some wonderful things. Well, he really is. And I, I think what you're hearing is actually an answer to the prayers many of you prayed. God, give us some wisdom and some insight concerning the future and the decision that's so important that we're going to make in the early uh, first week of November. Because the decision we make and the leader that's chosen, and then the influence through prayer and, and, and through wise counsel being shared and hopefully being heard and heeded, our future depends upon that because freedom's foundation is truth. And we know the truth that sets us free and keeps us free, but many people have abandoned it. It's like they've cast it aside, just like they've taken innocent life to be so unimportant that for inconvenience, you could terminate a life. It's heartbreaking. You've got to appreciate what these wonderful leaders are sharing as they encourage all of us to pray together. I want you to look in at a situation that throughout the year, every one of you who watch life today often cannot watch and not want to extend the loving hands of God. There's no way you can see the opportunities that God has given us and the effective way of dealing with the challenge miraculously, undeniably, every one of you have always indicated, we want to have a part in that. I want you to watch and see if your heart doesn't leap to such a point that you would extend a loving hand and have a transforming impact on a child's life. You are going to see them excited in the Christmas season because they're going to see the love you have and what love does as a gift. The saying, there is more to it than meets the eye, certainly applies to children affected by a congenital facial condition called cleft palate. Beyond the obvious of a child suffering socially because they look different than others their age are the physical problems they face because of cleft palate. One is being able to feed themselves properly because of the lack of suction. Other challenges are high rates of middle ear infections that can cause hearing loss which in turn can affect their ability to sound out words and learn to speak properly. 
The encouraging fact about cleft palate is that children suffering with this condition can be totally healed through the skilled hands of a surgeon. The dramatic difference that can be seen in children who have had the surgery not only gives them a new smile, but it improves their health and overall quality of life. Little May May here is one of the girls who received one of those surgeries through your giving. And we just want to say thank you today for loving on her, believing in her. Your giving seemed like a one-time gift, but it's really a gift that gives a lifetime. Beautiful Christmas smiles. During this season of kind gestures and goodwill, please consider reaching beyond your family and include a child somewhere in the world whose life literally can be changed forever by receiving the gift of a corrective surgery. Oh boy, I can't look at those little kids and not have my heart just uh, almost break when I see how they feel, Betty. I remember a child in, in uh, Angola years ago that had evidently not seen his face. Uh, even in a, in a reflection, at least it appeared he hadn't. But we were taking some video pictures and then we were playing them back on a little monitor and letting the children see what they look like. And when this little child with a horrible cleft palate or deformity saw his face, he just pulled back. He just was, it was like he was almost terrified to see his own face. And it was a very difficult situation at that time because it was in the intense uh, uh, times and throes of the Civil War in Angola. And, and you couldn't just do a surgery there. And there wasn't a surgeon there in that war-torn country that could do it. And when we showed you, our viewers, that little boy, you said, whatever it takes to get him to a surgeon, we want to do it. And we actually miraculously, Betty, I mean, think about this. We actually got special permission from the Angolan government and from South Africa to provide transportation. Somebody there provided a private airplane and you paid for the fuel and the transportation and we flew that little boy all the way to South Africa to Johannesburg where he got that surgery. I mean, it was an unbelievable miracle expression of love. So if there's any way, you know, Betty, we're praying this, that you could help us by making a gift. It's $500 average surgery. We're praying for many of you to make that $500 gift or $1,000 gift. And I'm believing a lot of our friends will not only give shoes for Christmas because we're doing that. Uh, $36 gives 10 children a pair of shoes. But I'm praying that many of our viewers would, would give a surgery or perhaps $1,000 and give two children a smile for I, Christmas. I, I feel like our friends will, James. You know, I remember as a, as a first-time mother and our child, the newborn, Rhonda, and, and you get them home and you're waiting for that first smile, just a little crease in, in the cheek go up and a, a little grin come across their face and how pleased you were when you saw that first smile. Well, there's some babies that we're talking about right now that don't have that first smile. They're waiting for it and we can give it to them. Isn't that exciting that we can, for the first time, a little child can smile. And there's nothing more disarming to see than to see, James, a little child smile. It just brings joy to mm -hmm. your heart. So join with us and let's give some smiles for Christmas. Yeah, of such is the mm -hmm. kingdom of heaven, little children. And when they're fighting uh, a difficulty that love can just totally change. I mean, this, this is a miracle healing in itself and it is it's made possible because of love. Would you right now go to lifetoday.org, go online, or you can dial the telephone number and take a bank card and look, make the best gift you can. This is a Christmas gift. Christmas smiles and shoes. 
Would you do that? Could you give a $180 gift that would give 50 children shoes for Christmas? Is there any way that you could help give a smile or maybe a $1,000 gift? I don't know what level, but $36 will give 10 pairs of shoes. Father, I pray everyone watching will be moved by your spirit to extend hands of love and provide some shoes and some smiles in Jesus' name. Lifetoday.org or dial the number. We have some beautiful gifts to send you that I know you're going to treasure. And I know they'll become conversation pieces as you hang these little shoe ornaments on your Christmas tree. People are going to ask you about it. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for sharing the love of God. Poverty is a killer. And because of it, children needlessly suffer, not only from a lack of food and clean water, but also from a lack of things we take for granted, such as a healthy smile or a simple pair of shoes. For most of these children, they've never owned a new pair of shoes. And while that may seem minor in the light of all their needs, walking with bare feet puts them at risk of life-threatening infections that could lead to crippling consequences, disease, and even death. By responding today, you can help life immediately secure and begin shipping Christmas shoes to 150,000 children around the world, just in time for the holidays. Your gift of $36 will help provide 10 pairs of shoes. A gift of $72 will help provide 20 pair. And a gift of $180 will help provide 50 pairs of Christmas shoes for children in need. With your gift of any amount, be sure to request this beautifully crafted blue metal shoe ornament, a treasure to place on your tree each holiday season. With your gift of $180 or more, you may also request this keepsake boxed set of life's Christmas shoe ornaments. Finally, please consider a gift of $1,000 or more to help provide over 275 pairs of shoes or two children with corrective cleft palate surgeries, and you may request our Majesty Bronze Sculpture. Please call, write, or make your gift online today. Well, I know you're going to like this little Christmas ornament, any gift you make, and I think the Christmas tree... Uh, this is such a beautiful gift. It comes in a gift box. This is all six of the shoes uh, that have we've uh, you know crafted over the years uh, to say thank you. And now you can get for a gift of $180, 50 children's shoes, but also get the beautiful Christmas decoration. Tell your friends about the special programming, calling for prayer, for the awakening we need, for God to heal our land, and for not only prayer but active participation on the part of the American people and everyone who is a Christian and who cares about others and cares about freedom. It's for freedom Christ made us free. Let's express ourselves first in prayer, but then in action by making the wisest choice all the way across the board from the local elections all the way to the top. Every person expressing your heartfelt convictions and concerns. Thank you for doing it. Thanks for watching Life Today. Encourage your friends to watch and pray.
Christian leaders come together to explain the danger facing every believer as religious liberty is being thrown aside. Tomorrow on Life Today. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.